0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already Racking up the awards, winning best-selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta awards both in 2017 and 2018. So, if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where it eats meets. West Chase Thomas Pod the Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, <laughs> my nephew needs me to record. See, I
1: hate. I already hate it. I hate
0: it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas Podcast. We're recording today's episode on a Monday evening here in Atlanta, and on the line right now, Cheesehead TVs, Zach Jacobson, and Zach. I guess it's time for the Green Bay Packers to sell high on Aaron Rodgers to get him the fuck out of Green Bay. Right? That's it. No more.
1: No, okay, now let's wait a goddamn minute here. Okay, Jake. <laughs> no, it, it, How do you it, come back
0: from that that hit piece, that smear campaign? How do you come back from that?
1: You know, I don't think there's anything to come back from.
0: You know, it was just mm. really, you know,
1: as Aaron Rodgers called, just the smear attack. I mean, you know, everything's right. in the past, and Matt LaForce said on on Monday that, Nothing from the past administration. None of that matters. He doesn't care about any of it. He's focused on moving forward with the the 2019 Packers, and I'd assume Aaron Rodgers is as well. He pretty much dispelled everything, refuted most, if not you know a whole lot of the articles. So, you know, I'd like to think these guys are, are well focused on the future.
0: If there's one thing I know about Aaron Rodgers uh, from that piece and just thinking it back to the last couple of years, it's that he's very good at just uh, letting things go. So I don't see the problem there at all. I think he's definitely only thinking about the future. That seems like a very Aaron Rodgers thing is to not harbor any ill will or any kinds of uh, (laughs) opinions about anyone he played with in the past or was coached under. It seems very unlikely that he would ever think about those things. You know, I
1: may we may be doing like a, like a podcast right now. I have headphones in. You're across the country, but I can I can feel mm-hmm. your sarcasm. Like I can feel Feeling it you. through my headphones. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like I feel it like like infusing into my body. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I mean, See, a a lot of that article was was accurate. I just want to say that, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the fallout with McCarthy and Rogers, a lot of that was like on point. You
0: know, yeah, and... and I think ultimately it wasn't even that bad. I think Aaron Rodgers just overreacted. I don't think it was, it was that damning. It was just a lot of stuff that we right. already all assumed about them. It was more damning to McCarthy to me. Like I thought the McCarthy stuff was like, why was this guy around for so long? Why didn't Murphy step in sooner? Like this was one of those where it's like McCarthy's not that important. Like you have the most important player in football. Like there's just no reason for you to l- keep this going for as long as you did. But um, yeah, it. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers the Like his radio thing right after was more like, "Oh, my eyes are rolling back into my head." The way he uh, characterized it and everything else. It's um, I, I love Aaron Rodgers the player. Um, I think he's a smart guy for sure. But I also can totally see how dudes are just like, "Oh God, uh, this guy!" Like he's one (laughs) of those dudes. We all went to high school with guys like this, where they, if they weren't genetically gifted in a multitude of ways everybody would hate them and they would it life would be very hard life would be very hard for Aaron Rodgers if he was 5'6 and 135 like he it would just be difficult for him with his personality he, type he would but be he would,
1: he would be the kid that would raise his hand for every single question or shout out right. the answer
0: <laughs> and people would hate that But he's got it both, where it's like he's the quarterback, he's good-looking, he's also one of the five best quarterbacks in NFL history, so he can get away with being a dick. Like, it's just, I don't think he recognizes that he's a dick. Like, it's the Kobe Bryant thing, where I don't think if you even asked him straight up, like, how he sees himself. He doesn't seem like someone who has a lot of self-awareness about who he actually is as a person, which would make him a lot more endearing and you can move on. Like, look at Tiger Woods. Like, he had the same issue where it's just, like, if you read story after story of, like, how people interacted with him years ago, it's just like, oh, yeah, he's just not a very personable guy. And I think Tiger eventually admitted that, but Aaron Ryder doesn't seem like someone who's ever admitted that he's just not a personable guy. He seems pretty quiet. Like, he has a weird family stuff. Like, there's all kinds of red flags there. Like, I just... He can still be great at his job, but, like, Aaron, it's okay. Just admit, like, you're you're kind of tough to be around and you're kind of a dick like it's it's okay you're still great you're still our quarterback but at least have some level of self-awareness about like your decisions and the who you are as a person and everything else you know
1: yeah i think you know to some extent he might have like some favorites you know because obviously during this whole fiasco with all the players slandering him and, well specifically greg jennings and michael finley but you know all these former players and current teammates all coming to his defense and, like, talking about how great of a leader and how great of a teammate he is and all that. And it's like, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, how different is he inside the locker room when he's around these guys? I mean, you know, we know the the kind of snobby Aaron Rodgers in the media who's always making snide, sarcastic comments. And, you know, like you said, the Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't realize he's a dick, which is kind of worse than being an actual just, like, yes, dick. Yes, it 100% is. It's cool being a dick, but if you know you're a dick, it's fine. But if you're just a dick and you're completely unaware about it, you know that's like a total different thing. But you know he's obviously kind of, I should say, earned the 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 platform to kind of boast a little bit, have a little kind of not chip on his mm-hmm. shoulder, but that little attitude, that arrogance. You know, obvious. You know, obviously, you wish he didn't, but you can't really do anything about it. You know, it's just that's just Aaron Rodgers. It's one of the things that makes him great. You know, it's just some guys can play with him some guys can't same with some of the great ones
0: you know michael jordan that's part of the deal that's yeah 100 that's part of the deal michael jordan was a shit teammate to a lot of dudes like it doesn't matter like you still take this day in day out but i also understand why if you're a coach and he's just changing stuff and just totally disregarding a lot of stuff that you're doing and route concepts and everything else but you're like well uh, it's, I would rather, I would still rather have Aaron Rodgers in the alternative. Like he, I'd still take this and it's, it's a tough situation to be in. I mean, it's like coaching LeBron now. Like nobody, I will
1: suffer pretty much. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. Um, but that's part of coaching greatness or being around greatness. Most of those people are tough to be around. Um, so anyway, Deshaun Kaiser, the era is upon us. So, um, oh, God. <laughs> God
1: damn it. Why, why did I agree to this?
0: Why did I? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, get excited about the Deshaun Kaiser, era, folks. Um, so, Russell Wilson, another quarterback who actually might get traded, but I don't think is going to get traded. I just think this is all very strange, and it seems like it's come out of left field, and there are people extrapolating as to who this is coming from. And this Is this an agent thing pushing Russell Wilson? Because it seems out of character, but it's also like, why do people assume athletes are a certain way when they really don't know them? And Russell Wilson's always been one of the best big-time athletes at, like, hiding at who he actually is or just, like, Mm -hmm. never really giving any kind of, I don't know, any kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just he's never, he's very calculated. It's very Matt Ryan-y where you're like, I don't even know what character traits I would even be comfortable assigning to him just because He's really good at it. He's very PR savvy. Steph Curry's like this, where it's like people who have an opinion on who he is, like, what do we know about this person? Like, I don't know anything about Russell Wilson. Very and mysterious. Are just like, this seems, right. Like he's a mysterious dude and he's good at it. He knows how to, be away from everything and never stir up anything. And then him just being like, nope, if you don't uh, sign me by April 15th, I am uh, playing out 2019 and you can franchise tag me if you want in 2020 and make me the sixth high paid quarterback or whatever. But if you look down that road, great, but we're not negotiating past today. And it just, it's all very strange. What do you, um, is this power play not like one of the more bizarre power plays we've seen in in, in football in the last couple of years, at least? But maybe last, like I just don't remember anything like this. Where the player who has the kind of public perception that Russell Wilson has.
1: Okay, yeah, I was I was gonna say Antonio Brown, but then until, until you said that last part, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's two completely different guys.
0: <laughs> yes, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Well. Apparently the Seahawks knew about this since like January, but you know, nobody really knew about it like in the media. Nobody really knew about it since like a couple weeks ago. Like all of a sudden the Seahawks have this April fifteenth deadline, which, you know, still no news about, about an extension, still nothing. I I think he's gonna be an Oakland Raider. That'd be that'd be freaking crazy, wouldn't it? I mean, they have they have the draft capital for it. I could see them. I could see a situation. No, where they, they don't quit.
0: because there's no amount of draft capital. PFF did this great piece today outlining his whole career and everything. And I'm going to cite. I'm going to cite a lot of that stuff. But no, you could give me nine first round picks. Don't care. I'm not trading Russell Wilson.
1: Oh, I don't think. No, no. Oh, by all means, I don't think you should at all. If I'm the Seahawks, you freaking pay the guy his money, and that's like one thing I don't understand. Like, he this guy is like the face of your franchise. He's your cornerstone. Pay him his goddamn money. But I could see a situation where two teams somehow come to some kind of agreement the Raiders maybe flip 24 and 27 and maybe Derek Carr I don't know I'm just floating that scenario out there but that would just that would no just you just something.
0: don't do it like you hang I, up I, I everything you
1: you're... yeah no no there's no way there is like no logic in doing that if you're smart you don't trade Russell Wilson
0: I I don't get it like the stuff I call is bluff you like especially with what we know about him as a person after everything I just said is like. It, this is going to be maybe a little offensive, but um, I got to be careful here. Uh, oh, no. It's got to be a, a WWJD situation for Russell Wilson, where you, you call him up and you're like, hmm, is this really the way you want to go about uh, handling your business this fall? Is this really what you want to do to the franchise <laughs> you want to Super Bowl with? Is this what, uh, is this really the best way of going about things? So
1: it's kind of like guilt is trip? Is this what him. you
0: want to do, Russell? guilt him into it guilt him and be like is this you (laughs) this can't be you russell i call his bluff i would like he's one of those athletes for sure i would call his bluff i'm like you really think you're going to make this ugly are you ready for the pr questions are you ready for reporters to never stop asking about what's going to happen with your future all fall no matter what we do as a team are you ready for every question to be centered around so what are you going to do if they franchise tag you in 2020 what are you going to do um if the season gets rocky, are you gonna try and get Schottenheimer fired? Are you okay with um, what happened in Dallas? Is that where it's coming from? Is that they never um, let you drive the car? And it was just Chris Carson show, which everybody signed up for in a playoff game with the Dallas Cowboys. Is it that uh, Brian Schottenheimer's chain? Too big. Not You're not feeling it these days. Um, what is it? Uh, that's gonna be the storyline around him for months and months and months. And he doesn't seem like the kind of player who would um, love to have that sort of um, uh, attention all the time. I, I don't think that, I think that would get very uncomfortable for him very fast.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and you think, too, to your point, if something does fall through and he gets split to, let's say, you know, one of the teams that are, that are, Not rumored, but, you know, speculated by a lot of people as to where he would be the best fit. You know, the the Raiders, the Giants, and the Cardinals, the the primary three. If he goes to one of those teams and he, like, doesn't win another Super Bowl with those teams, for like, the rest of his career, that's going to follow him like a black cloud. That's going to loom over him for the rest of his career. And
0: there's only one team that shouldn't trade for him if it's up. Like, there's only one team in the Actually, (sighs) Two, I'll I'll say two, which actually tells me a lot about how I feel about this other quarterback now that I think about it. But it's mm. the Chiefs and the Packers. That's it. Those are the only two teams that should not entertain it.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, I can I can see that.
0: Is there anyone else that you'd be like? Oh no, we're we're just we're too content with what we have. Like we we would never take Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson. It's just especially what he did last year. He's incredible. the pocket he's incredible on the run he's just uh, let me go ahead and cite some stuff folks for people who just don't really appreciate russell wilson so russell wilson has now graded at 74 or higher on all seven of his professional seasons the only other quarterback to do that in that span is tom brady drew Brees, ben roethlisberger aaron Rodgers, and matt ryan that's a pretty good group to be a part of um the 2018 season was his best since his rookie season, he finished the year ranked sixth among quarterbacks with an overall grade of eighty nine point two, was propped up by a third ranked pass rating from a clean pocket, which is the biggest arbiter of uh long term QB success from pro football focus. It was one twenty two, and he was the best in the NFL in leading uh big time throw percentage. So he's clutch, he's great on the run, he can play behind a bad offensive line, a good offensive line. Um I, I just there's no rationale for trading him and there's only just two guys in the league that I just wouldn't do it and it's it's Patrick Mahomes and it's uh it's it's Aaron Rodgers. That's it. Everybody else? No. Great. Whatever you want. We'll take him. A report actually just came out as
1: you were talking saying Russell Wilson's agent is still meeting with the Seahawks, which is a reason for optimism. So there's there's like little to no chance this is happening, but it,
0: it is fun to entertain. Yeah. I just it, it's insane. Like for them to even entertain it. Like no. Yeah. All right, Russell, yeah. we'll see you this fall. We'll see you this fall. We'll see what happens. All right, man. Um <laughs> like, no, guys, yeah, I'm, serious. The Raiders... I'm serious. I'm serious. I want to trade.
1: <laughs> okay, cool, Russ. We'll see you at camp.
0: Right. Like I he's like one of those cute, adorable pup it's like we know you're not gonna torpedo this locker room like <laughs> uh Antonio Brown. We know what you're gonna do. You're gonna be like you it it's just it's like if Tim Tebow ever had a power play. You're just like, Really, Tim? Do you really think you have it in you to be the guy who just goes all about you and forces your way out and destroys a, a locker room culture and turns your back on the city and has an entire city hate you forever? You really think you're going to be that guy? You really think you have that in you? No, you do not, Russell Wilson. You do not have that in you. Unfortunately, you do not. And you know much what they, Sierra or your agent may want you to, that's not you, Russell.
1: You know what they say about nice guys? They're too nice to demand trades from NFL teams.
0: That's exactly what they say. That is exactly what they say. God, that'd be the mo- this, the funniest. Uh, just like I would love a quote where he's like, "Yes, I um." He would like apologize multiple times while demanding a trade. He'd be the apologizing one where it's like, <laughs> "I'm so sorry," or he like calls Pete Carroll crying. "I'm I'm so sorry that I'm having to do this, but it, <laughs> my agent, he just he's adamant. I've got to I've got to do this at two a.m." Yeah. <laughs> Pete, you up? Um, well, apparently they're very close. Um, I was talking to and the Athletics uh, Seattle Seahawks beat writer on the pod a few weeks ago, and like, they're actually super close. Like, they're the closest of anyone on the team. So, it's interesting, because I'm sure Pete Carroll's in the room for this, and because um, it doesn't seem like Russell Wilson was ever close to Sherman or anybody else, really, other than some of the Super Bowl guys, but... He's a pretty private quiet person but apparently he's he's still very very close to Pete Carroll. So I I don't imagine um John Snyder being able to go into Pete Carroll and be like, "Look, Pete, um you already have a chewing gum problem, but um I'm I've got some bad news for both you and your dentist. You're going to be chewing even more gum because uh we're trading Russell Wilson." I I just don't I don't think that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. No, I think I think that ship is basically sailed. There's like I said, it was fun to entertain, but, you know,
0: let's be let's be
1: realistic here. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Russell Wilson is not going. It just that just doesn't happen in the NFL. Like quarterbacks especially in their prime when they have so many more years, it's just te- it just does not happen. It does not happen. Especially, is, who would be the closest
1: Especially with be? You know, what 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 they were able to do last season, you know how they kind of came back late in the season, they were kind of able to to sneak into the playoffs, you know, and everyone really counted them out in, in as early as October, you know, like they're obviously they're turning over that roster right now. They're they're kind of still licking their chops from the Legion of Boom kind of falling out, but you know they're they're building a solid football team right now and and you know really maximizing what this next stage of Russell Wilson's career is going to be, you know, obviously they're not going to be able to recreate the Seahawks of, of 2013, but they have a pretty solid team over there right now. And I don't see any reason why you would even entertain the idea of shipping off Russell Wilson. I, he like universally, he's regarded as like a top five quarterback every single year by like any football fan you ask, even like the most headed of fans, they will tell you he's like a top five quarterback. Year in and year out. If
0: Russell Wilson is not in your top five, you're just, there's something wrong with you. Like you're you're just banned from having it at football. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And we're very pro banning opinions on this podcast. So (laughs) I am right there with you. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess the closest comp to something like this would be Drew Brees. Was that it? Has there ever been anyone close?
1: I mean, I, I don't remember how that whole thing happened in 2006 because, you know, I know they had the, they had Philip Rivers over there and the Chargers were kind of, they were comfortable with moving on from Drew Brees, but I mean, was it like a but similar situation? But Brees was still good.
0: And he had a yeah, lot of he, years he was. of his prime left. That's the thing is like, you had a lot of years of his prime left and that's what would happen with Russell Wilson. He still he, got he, a he was lot like, of good football in him. Hell, he was like
1: four years into his career, I think, at that point.
0: Yeah. Because um, Russell Wilson is what, 30? Yeah. And he doesn't take the bad kind of hits. He's not taking the Lamar Jackson hits where it's like, I don't think this guy is going to be walking in two years. But, um, God, do you know what his middle name is? What is it? Carrington. Russell Carrington. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: How have like, oh, I never known this?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Of course it's Carrington. Unbelievable. That's wild. Um but I did I see some, some some crazy takes where it's like I wouldn't give up. I would just rather bank on Kyler Murray, number one overall, than trade for Russell Wilson. I, I just some takes it are too outrageous for me to even consider. Or Dave Gettleman's like, I don't know. I love this draft. The guy who wouldn't trade down for Saquon Barkley. That's the guy giving up a bunch of draft capital for Russell Wilson? Don't think so.
1: <laughs> I can't I can't believe that's his
0: middle name though. That's <laughs> What's Aaron Rodgers middle name Let's see this is going to be the middle The uh, just the uh, the Middle name portion of the podcast Yeah yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers how do you not know this by the way It's the biggest Aaron Rodgers mark of all time Oh we share a middle name Charles Oh yeah duh Charles Hey I I grew up up as a a Packers
1: fan Not an Aaron Rodgers fan
0: Mm. Some people say that uh, You've actually morphed into more of an Aaron Rodgers fan I read your Twitter Zach,
1: is is that true? I can I don't tell because you never tweet me, Chase.
0: I know. I just. I'm like, oh, I guess he doesn't work for Cheesehead TV anymore. He works for uh, Aaron Rodgershead TV dot TV. It couldn't just be Aaron TV. He has a very. He has a very large head. Very distinguished head. That could. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Actually, his ego is is pretty large.
0: Right. So there you are, and this could be your <laughs> spinoff. Aaron Rodgers head TV.com. you know
1: i will i would rather have aaron Rodgers and his massive ego than, than carlton banks in seattle okay
0: that's fair that's fair um you know what my new favorite thing is is monitoring peyton manning saying no to things because peyton manning who i have coined as the shadow nfl commissioner for years now since he's been gone He's like, he'll have little things. I don't know if you remember how uh, Adam Gase got hired in New York, but um, he got hired because of a NFL legend by the name of Peyton Manning. Because do you know who called Chris Johnson, the owner of the New York Jets, in the middle of the night to recommend Adam Gase? It was, of course, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, I, I just, I think he's got his hands in so many different baskets. He's super close to the Browns owner jimmy haslam he's just all over the place so when the monday night football stuff comes up and i heard dan patrick a couple weeks ago talk about this where it was like uh, i forgot who it was he was citing it but basically they're they're offering ten million and annually and all that kind of stuff i'm like that's chump change to what peyton's doing with everything else and all the investments and like that's it's not if he takes the monday night football job it's not for money like there's just no way it's money But I also think that this dude has no intention of ever rocking the boat or ever having like a divisive opinion about anything publicly that like he doesn't want to trash guys he likes. He doesn't want to um, do that kind of opinionated um, broadcasting or just he doesn't want to run a team. He doesn't want to do that kind of work either. So it's like I don't think Peyton wants to do anything outside of be like the head PR guy, where he's friends with everybody. And I'm like, is he just kind of like Magic Johnson? Is that what he's building? I think that is. I think he wants to be a billionaire and also just be like Roger Goodell's like good PR guy. Like, that's the reason he's in this ESPN stuff. Like, the history of the NFL celebration, he's like Captain Memberberry. Like, he wants you to, he is. He wants to be safe. He wants to do the stuff that he knows will never get him in trouble and make him a bunch of money, and people are going to be like, oh, I love this. This is great. Just trip down memory lane with Peyton Manning and everything else. He goes to Monday Night Football and blasts Josh Rosen. That He just doesn't want to do that. I think he's so business-minded, kind of like Magic Johnson, where I think if Peyton was ever a serious tweeter, I think he would do the Magic Johnson equivalent, where it's like, <laughs> what a great matchup between – the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers, it seems like there is some serious animosity between the two of them. But what a game. That would be Peyton Manning every night. The score is
1: 21-7. to 7. That is a two-touchdown difference.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I think he's so trained and he's so smart about that kind of stuff and so business that's exactly what he would do.
1: 100%. As long as he stays far and away from, like, being the type of general manager that magic johnson was then you know that's that's totally fine and dandy but yeah i i agree i can't see peyton manning being that kind of like divisive voice where you know he's the voice of a monday night football broadcast and he's forced to really analyze and break things down for some reason it worked with with tony romo i don't know how that happened Mm but he ended up being just exceptional like he's one of the best i've heard like like in, in recent years you know but
0: Y- yeah, I mean, you that's know what, what they, it is—is is he didn't get Nance? Like you know him and Nance are buddies, and Ramos stole his guy. So maybe he's just like I don't I, like who is it? like. Can you even recite who the the play by play guy is on Monday Night Football now? I don't know his name. Is it Tessitore? Joe Tessitore. Did name. he get renewed? Okay, I think he's thing, But
1: Jason, yeah, Jason Witten obviously left. He's back with the Cowboys, and then, um. Wait, before before that, it was Scott McDonough, wasn't it?
0: Sean, it was Sean McDonough, sure. I think.
1: Sean McDonough, God, they're just cycling <laughs> the crew. They're cycling the crew every single year because they can't find one that
0: sticks. That, well, like, I mean, that was great. Tarico was like, the answer. I wish they could have gotten Tarico long term because oh Mike Tarico is very good at his job.
1: Tarico and Gruden were like the combination. Like, I could I could fall asleep listening to them talk about football.
0: Right, like you're just – he. I love the way you described it too because that's perfect. Like, Tariko was great for Monday night because you're like, it's a weeknight, i got to go to work in the morning. Let me gradually fall asleep as Mike Tariko tucks me in with um, Robert Griffin III uh, doing some crazy stuff with the Redskins as I pass out to another bad Monday night loss for the the Washington football team. Like, I I think there was something soothing about a bad Monday night football game because the slate's just never as good as Sunday night and everything else where you're just like – ah, don't have to give a shit about this, but thank you, Mike Tirico.
1: Yeah, he was just that, that, like when you hear his voice, you you relate it to Monday Night Football, you know, and it was kind of like the same for me with Sunday Night Football growing up, you know, when I was, you know, every time I'd come in, you know, okay, there's going to be an obvious age disparity between you and me right now, but every time I would come in from playing outside as a kid, and I would hear Sunday Night Football, (laughs) and I would hear,
0: yeah, it's
1: important. Yeah, that's like, I recognize Sunday Night Football, and now we think, oh, shit, I got school the next morning. I hate my life. You know, it was just those small things that would just really make me, like, relate, and Tarico was one of those things, dude. Like, like, him and Gruden were just, God, they still haven't been able to replace them. It's like the Packers, but Nick Here's Collins, what you do. they still haven't been able to find a free safety to replace Nick Collins. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Bring it back to Cheesehead TV, where you used to be a writer before you started Aaron Rodgers Head TV. Um <laughs> No, I would just give it to Rex Ryan, because he's going to say something insane. He's going to get himself fired at some point where we got that little bit like I would do. I would double down. Like, so Beth Moens, uh, friend of the pod, been on the pod, delightful person, great broadcaster. If you do Beth Moens and Rex Ryan for a full season, I'm all the way in because Rex is going to get himself in trouble. Like and you listen to some of the stories about what he did in the draft room Um, when he was with the Ravens. I forgot Daniel Jeremiah was like leaking some stuff on move the sticks. And I was just like, oh, my God, Rex Ryan, if you just he doesn't have a filter. And I just I think that's what makes a good uh, a good color commentator is someone who just doesn't have a filter where you're like, oh, he might say something insane at any moment. I'm ready for that. Like, that's all I want.
1: Like yeah, like infuse some entertainment into the broadcast. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm I'm here for that. I mean, and I don't just, want I, like, I don't want to the, know the Ravens are playing going, or but. the
0: Rams are on Monday Night Football. And Eric Weddle has a big play, and Rex Ryan somehow just has this insane Eric Weddle story that he just unearths and like clearly not supposed to bring it up out loud. Like. Under no circumstances is this an appropriate thing to bring up on national television. But then he just starts extrapolating of what this Eric Weddle story was and all the finite details. And he's like, "Yeah." And then uh, Dwight Lowry, uh, uh, wasn't it the free safety on the Ravens forever that was the guy who replaced? What was it? It was him and Ed Reed, right? Wasn't it? Ed Dwight Lowry, or is that the Jets that he went to? I, I think he was on both. Or was it Landry? You know what I'm talking about? That, I, uh, I, yeah, I know how you're talking. I think it was Lowry. That's what I thought. Okay. I think he went to tech. But anyway, like something about that where you're like, oh, okay. And you never know if anything Rex is saying is true. Like he's going to be that grandpa where he'll tell you a story <laughs> and you're like, "I'm, you're my grandfather. So I have to take this at face value. But I'm 93% certain this never happened. Grandpa Rex.
1: Very uh, uh, John Gruden-esque.
0: Yeah, but like. Gruden is just not as entertaining, I don't think. Like, I think he'd be oh. more... I think Rex would be more entertaining, because I don't think he'd be as overly positive. Like, Gruden went overly positive on the broadcast. I think Rex Ryan would go overly negative and just yeah, be a fair. dick about some stuff. Where yeah, it's that's like, fair. what? Um Speaking of the Bills, though, and Bills coaching legend Rex Ryan, Um, this is the last thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here tonight. The Bills, Uh, Brandon and Bean, they're... Uh, their GM, as they're building Carolina North. um, He doesn't think this team has a lot of holes. And uh, folks, the Buffalo Bills have a lot of holes because their running back situation, let me check my notes here, LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore, okay, not great, not great. Josh Allen, sure, whatever, like it's at least gonna be fun. It's gonna be a wild ride. Wide receiver situation? Cole Beasley? Zay Jones, who had the worst rookie season of all time as a rookie, uh, the only investment they've made in their wide receiver group, so I think he was, was he a second round pick? I want to say he was a second round pick. Um, no one else first round pick, no one else second round pick, no one else a third round pick on this roster. And then you have John Brown, who I feel like has been on 19 teams since leaving the Ravens. Um, I see a lot of holes. They have actually no tight ends because Charles Clay has been their tight end uh, ostensibly for the last couple of years. But um, that experiment's got to wind down at some point. But yeah, outside of that, I think this team's loaded at uh, offensive skill position talent. And just, um, I think they're ready to go after the New England Patriots and in that uh, AFC East streak, right?
1: I mean, the, look, I know that quote is probably making him look a little bad. But he did say, too, you know, he, he didn't say they don't have need. You know, like, they do have needs, and in his defense, like, that team, like, on the defensive side of the ball, they looked really good last year. Like, they allowed, like, the fewest passing yards of any team in the league. Like, they were first, and they are about middle of the pack in rushing yards, but, it, like you said, they don't really have that, those kind of standout guys, like, a running back. The wide receiver group is kind of, not,
0: you know, weak, but Cole Beasley isn't exactly this it's huge. It's definitely weak. We can say weak. Like, Josh Allen has it's, no it's, talent it's, around him. It's... Well,
1: it's a slightly below average. I, I throwing in Cole Beasley helps like mitigate a little bit because he's going to be like that, you know, fast guy out of the slot that'll help kind of Josh Allen get well, the Josh ball out a faster. Well, Josh Allen's great at five
0: yard outs. If we've seen anything from last year, it's that he's going to nail Cole Beasley on those five yards to the to the sideline. He's exactly, precision on that the, point. That's his bread and butter.
1: Get the ball in, in Beasley's hand and see what he can do. And you know they do have the ninth overall pick, so. You know they can get they can grab someone like DK e. Metcalf and just let Josh Allen bomb all day down the field. You know I I obviously think that a, that's a little rich for Metcalf, but I you know I can talk for days about that. But um, yeah you know I I, I just okay maybe they they have, don't have glaring holes, but yeah they do have a few needs, and I think you touched on them you know pretty well.
0: I like their defense. I like Alexander. I like Jerry Hughes. But they're getting older. Um, I love Milano um, in their linebacking group and Edmonds yeah. being a first-round pick last year. Like they're they're set. Like you said, their secondary was great. Tradavis White. All those dudes. Like they're good. Like they're gonna be okay. But it's just the idea that they don't have any glaring holes um, offensively is just very very silly to me because um, there are a lot of holes. Um,
1: well, did he mean specifically offense?
0: I mean, that's a very important uh, part of football, right, is um, having skill, talent, especially when your quarterback is uh, not very good at being a quarterback. He's very good at being other things. Like, I don't know what I would call Josh Allen, but I feel like in today's NFL, like he's not a unicorn like the Chris stats Frazingas types where you're like, oh, this is amazing. This is crazy. But it's more of like, oh, I, this isn't good. This clearly isn't good. But like, I bet on Josh Allen in some crazy games. I forgot which one where I was banging the drum. I was like, there is zero chance the Buffalo Bills lose this game. Who do they beat really good at home last year? Where you're like, how is this happening? And they won like nine to six. I want to, I forgot who it was, but like that defense is good enough where they can hide a lot of Josh Allen's bad throws and bad drive killer stuff and where he runs around in a circle and throws the ball up in the air. Um, Like it's, he's out of his mind. Like, Josh Allen is going to. I just. I'm excited for Bills fans because it's better than Nathan Peterman era. It's more intriguing than Tyrod Taylor. Like, at the very least, it's going to be entertaining television. It, I think the Buffalo Bills and the Josh Allen experience is like um, going to the Transformers movies. We're like, we know this is objectively bad. Like, I understand that this Michael Bay is a bad director, but this is a fun way to spend two hours. Like, I can just suspend some disbelief I can appreciate the visual effects going on here I can I can dig this for a couple hours and that's how it is with Josh Allen you're like this isn't good this offense isn't good Zay Jones isn't good Frank Gore is 93 years old but you know they're gonna do some weird stuff they're gonna beat some teams they shouldn't they're going to I don't know they oh it was they beat the Chiefs last year or no this was 2017 but they did stuff like it's I don't know. It's fine. Whatever. I think they'll be in a good position to kind of, to
1: unintentionally suck in 2019 and kind of be positioned for another high draft pick next year. And then we could probably really start talking about, you know, like maybe the bills are going to start making some noise then by then, who knows, maybe Tom Brady might be flirting with retirement. I mean, you know, I, I highly doubt he's probably going to play till he's like 56, but, um,
0: you know, then we can kind it was of start the Titans by the way at home last year that's the game it they the all titans at home in week 5 13-12 yep, they won 13-12 yep. to he passed for 82 yards and won the game and quarterback wins on a stat Ugh. god incredible are we sure he's not better he's uh better than matt barkley
1: well, oh, it
0: was a rookie year. Let's take it easy, right? He also went into Minnesota. No, I mean I would start Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley's a better around. NFL quarterback than uh, Josh Allen. I would. I, I'm still a Matt Barkley truther. I think a little bit. I still like him.
1: What? Why? Because he went to USC or what?
0: No. Is there, is I mean, there like? Be, a, is there like a? That'd be a negative. That'd is be there a, a negative. Solid I reason. To, I just like him. I don't know. I don't like him. Every time I've seen his stat lines for any game he's ever played, and I'm like, this guy's not bad. I don't under like he's not good. He's not bad. Kyle Allen might be the new guy that for me. Um, what he did with the Panthers at the end of last year, I'm like, I'm I'm back in on Kyle Allen.
2: Jesus Christ!
0: <laughs>
1: We're really sitting here talking about Matt Barkley.
0: That's how I wrap up all my podcasts is finding ways to um, bring it back to Matt Barkley or well, uh, Jake Cutler.
1: Matt Barkley played a game against the the Redskins in 2016. He threw two touchdowns and five interceptions.
0: I don't know why you had to throw in the five interceptions part of that Oh, and story, then and then, the, but... and then the, the week before he threw two more touchdowns, and then another
1: three interceptions.
0: Perfect. Okay, look. Oh, and a... after
1: and after those two games, he threw another two <sighs> interceptions and zero touchdowns. So basically, he threw ten interceptions in a three-week span.
0: Because so. Barkley is a giver. So he's That's a the kind giver. Of he is.
1: Yeah. Oh my god.
0: He gives and he takes away. Like he's he's all about equality. And if he can give more interceptions than touchdowns sometimes, Matt Buck is going to do that. Have you seen his smile?
1: He's, he's very handsome. I'll give him
0: that. Yeah. Jimmy Clausen was like the ultimate guy when I was in college that I was all the way in on where I was like, this dude's going to be a superstar. Still could not believe how bad he was in the NFL. That's like the <laughs> biggest where it's like he had everything. I don't understand how Jimmy Clausen did not work out. That's Wait, so so you will stand
1: Matt Barkley, but not Jimmy Clausen.
0: No, I will. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand how it didn't happen, but I, I can't. Like, the the numbers are undeniable. Matt Barkley, jury's still out. Let's give him a couple more years.
1: Oh, my God. A couple more years. He's, he's going to turn Kyle 29. Allen? Are we 29 sure? Before the season starts. Kyle Allen, jury, okay, jury's still out on him. I'll give you that.
0: I don't know. I just think Matt Barkley needs a couple years in the XFL, and he's back, baby. He'll lead the Bengals back to the promised land at age 31.
1: Let him play in the AAF a- a- for a little while. and Oh, wait.
0: God, how dare you? Um, <laughs> can we talk about Colt Brennan? No? We're out of time? No Colt Brennan talk? Okay. Tom, what is, what is uh, his name? I love Colt Brennan. He's actually my all-time favorite college quarterback, so don't uh, say anything negative about my guy Colt Brennan. Um, and the visor. And the 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 run and shoot offense, but anyway, Zach, thank you so much. Is there anything we need to check out on Cheesehead TV, or any more Aaron Rodgers news or notes that you would like to um, usher out before Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packer, but actually a member of the Minnesota Vikings?
1: Well, it's uh, Deshaun Kaiser season now, so uh, yeah, at Cheesehead TV, we're having a huge draft party uh, on night two of the NFL draft in in, in a couple weeks, so big cam party a bunch of you know some of the top analysts on twitter and a lot of chiefs at tv staff and from other sites are all going to be there just shooting the shit and uh yeah so be sure to check that out
0: all right we'll do it zach thanks so much and uh we'll have to do this again soon
1: all right chase i mean Chad. thanks for having me man god damn it god damn it (laughs)
0: All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. Brian Phillips is on the line from Hartsfield, Jackson, where it's uh, very loud. Who would have ever thought that uh, that airport would be loud and uh, noisy and busy? But uh, Brian is uh, still kind enough to jump on the pod tonight um, and block out the, uh, the, the planes and the noise and everything else. And, Brian, my first thing I've got to ask you is, are the Pats going to try... And win the Super Bowl next year with even less skill position help for Tom Brady as he enters his uh, age forty two season. Is it gonna, he turns forty two this fall, right? Uh yeah,
2: August third. Mark it on your yes. calendars, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um. Well, for, first of all, this is a welcome respite for uh, for how long I've been here today at Hartsfield Jackson. Uh, nice little time killer before I get on a flight. But um, yes, they're Yes, they are definitely trying to win. So they're trying to, to continually break their own records for least amount of on paper talent to win a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, going into Brady's uh, yes forty forty second year of life, uh, it's 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 gonna be um, it's gonna be really interesting to see where they go with the draft. Obviously, they they're tight against the salary cap this year. They're they're sticking and maintaining with this this the state the same middle class strategy that they've been you know employing for years of uh, taking care of guys making between you know one and four percent of the salary cap and building the middle class of the roster and you know eventually the contracts come due and they start getting up there uh, but uh, you got to keep you got to keep refilling the trough with the draft talent so we'll, we'll see how that goes in a couple of weeks.
0: Are they going to go super offense? In the draft, are they going to double down and like, you know, I mean, they took Sonny Michelle, they took um, Isaiah Wynn, they took a lot of offensive talent in the first round last year, and they've shown that they will do it for the right guys, but I guess, I I don't know. It's hard to read Belichick and what their strategy is going to be, or is it going to be a defense heavy where they got to replenish the Trey Flowers of the world and find their next Trey Flowers, but they have, I mean, Stephon Gilmore, they have Patrick Chun entering year 47. As a solid contributor to the, the New England Patriots, you still have you have Jackson now. You have all these dudes that are set on defense. It seems like they kind of just have to go offense. But does Bra- like I I don't know. I you have a better feel of this group than me. Like outside of the offensive line, which is in great shape still, um, and getting a healthy win to replace Brown is still gonna be good for them. You would assume Shaq Mason, all those guys, they're still gonna be fine. And as long as they have their offensive line coach, that should not be a big drop off. But I, I like does Belichick keep trying to take receivers? Like, does he actually do it?
2: <laughs> we'll we'll see. Um, I think you nailed it when you uh, you said, that, you know, it depends if there are guys there. And we know that, that their draft board is notoriously small. You know, it's 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 really, there's really only just a handful of guys that they have their eye on at any given time. They have to hit up, they have a bunch of thresholds that they need their guys to hit. Um, and obviously there's a ton of background work that gets done on these guys and they want guys that will fill specific roles. And, uh, and there are a lot of those available specific roles. Um, when it comes to the first round, they're not so tied up in the analytics of positional value. Like, uh, like we see with the analytics community a ton where, you know, you want to go defensive end and offensive tackle and wide receiver you know they'll they'll take a running back they'll take an off ball linebacker if it's it's like what you said if it's their guy they'll go there if they if they feel he's the best player available they'll go there um I honestly think that uh that they'll go interior defensive line um with Malcolm Brown going uh signing in New Orleans uh even though he, he hasn't didn't have the most stellar career in New England um and Danny Shelton still being out there uh, they signed Mike Pinnell from uh, from the Jets, but um, they're definitely going to want to get younger inside, and I think a guy like Jerry Tillery or Dexter Lawrence could could do it for them. But you know, there there are so many stud wide receivers in this draft, and if they go wide receiver in round one, I could definitely see them going with a guy like Kelvin Harmon from NC State, who is the best wide receiver, the best blocking wide receiver in the draft. He's he's definitely not going to check up all the boxes on the agility side, but he can do literally everything else. Uh, can get separation. He's great with contested catches. I think he would fit Belichick and McDaniel's system absolutely perfectly if they did go wide receiver. That's that's where I I would love to see them go uh, if they don't go uh, and address the defensive trenches.
0: No offense, there at thirty-two. Do they take him?
2: Oh, one hundred and fifty percent. I think. Uh, I think if he's, he's close there, with
0: Kurt Ferentz, isn't he? Isn't yeah. He, yeah.
2: Yeah. If Kurt Ferentz was uh, was on Belichick's staff in Cleveland. Uh, he's got, uh, his son is on the roster. He's been on the roster for the last two years, uh, in the practice squad, um, up and down on the 53 man roster and back down on the practice squad a couple of times. And, uh, yeah. And obviously a, a pipeline, um, to the Iowa guys, uh, but yeah, no, you, you have a talent like Noah Bant out there, even though they just signed off since and Jenkins, who I think they could really get a lot of good production out of it. He God, he's going to be so good
0: for them. I, yeah. I saw that and I'm like, <laughs> Oh God, not again. Not again,
2: right? Yeah, like you, you can just see the writing on the wall there. Like you know, physically, you know, the guy, the kind of guy that you know w- would really excel in the red zone. With a guy like Tom Brady throwing him the football, and he can still get yeah, dirty but he with was the blocking. Drafted by
0: the Pats as a rookie, just he has a totally different career. It seems like
2: right, exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, you, you put a guy like Noah Fant. I think if Noah Fant would drop into their twenties, we'd see we'd see Belichick move up because uh, he's definitely a guy that would be on their board. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got, they got 12 draft picks. They've got a, a ton of capital. They can move up and pretty much do whatever they want, move up, move back. Um, and, uh, if he fell into the, into the low twenties, I'd have to look at the draft order again. I don't have it off the top of my head, but there's only a couple of teams that they'd really have to jump, um, to, uh, to get to him. But uh, man, who knows if he's going to be there. This is going to be, uh, the stress is going to be pretty crazy with how it all shakes out.
0: The one that stands out to me for them that would just signal that they've kind of like just seeing what they had to deal with the Chiefs and like what the Chiefs have done with Kelsey and Tyree kill where they just target those two dudes over and over and over again in the playoffs until you can stop them. And uh, it turns out teams can't stop Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey um, specifically when you have someone like Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball and Nicole Hardman and we know how Belichick feels about Georgia and Kirby smart in that program. I, I wonder if that's the one where it's like he's obviously has a very uh, shady track record of drafting receivers, especially yep. early on. But, man, like McCall Hardman, if there was ever like a Tyreek Hill type coming through where I'm like, this guy, depending on where he goes, is a boomer bust guy, but I could 100%, 100% see him excelling in that Belichick Josh McDaniels system and like them finding a way to just maximize him and turn him into a speed monster where he's just borderline uncomfortable. And Tom Brady targets him 19 times and like the oh, yeah. white stuff where it just, he uh, he gets to pick your poison with that a little bit where it's Edelman, Hardman, and who knows, maybe Braxton Berrios comes out of nowhere. The <laughs> Miami kid who I liked a lot, who I thought was. Man, really I'm, telling you, I'm
2: telling you, I'm telling you, you absolutely read my mind with Nicole Hardman I've been I've been ringing this dude's bell for, for a while now. And, He's, you know, obviously the, the Georgia pipeline's been strong lately uh, with them, with Malcolm Mitchell, Isaiah Wynn, uh, Sonny Michelle, um, David Andrews. Uh, and you put a guy like, and, and with Cordero Patterson gone, that kick return spot is open. Um, obviously, with Julian Edelman getting up in age, uh, punt return could be open if you could take the, if you could take. That role, and we're, again, we're talking about them looking at guys who can fill roles, and a guy that can fill multiple roles is 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 immediately going to pop on a Belichick big board. You know, like a guy like Cyrus Jones was supposed to be when they took him. Um, but the thing I love about McCole Hardman is that outside of the fact that he's so blazing fast. It's the fact that he does not change speeds when he catches the football i mean when he when he catches the football he can catch it and he's immediately at full speed and he can maintain full speed as he catches the football and i mean, i think I think he's the most electric player in this draft, and the fact that he's not getting a little more love. And a lot of Patriots fans are hesitant to take him at 54. I would take him at 54 in an absolute heartbeat because you immediately fill that role. You immediately fill that deep Brandon Cooks role that they have with the defaults, drawing pass interference penalties, and you, you get the special teams taken care of. And I mean, what a gadget tool for this uh, this this offense. And like you were, uh, referred to, James White was a guy that they were using primarily uh, for their jet sweeps inside the red zone last year, like as their primary. You know, horizontal field stretcher. That's that's fine and dandy. But if got but have a guy like McCole Hardeman, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to waste James White as your jet sweep guy. You could have a guy like McCole Hardeman put that horizontal pressure on defense. I think it would be a knockout pick.
0: How close is Tom Brady to to really hitting father time? Was there anything last year you were like, ooh, we're we're close? It's insane. We're still saying this at age forty two, but. Is there anything last year that stands out to you where you're like, ooh, that's not a good sign going into this year?
2: Yeah, well, for sure. And I think anybody who says that he's not in physical decline a little bit is, 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 is in denial. Is it enough? Is he still good enough to win a Super Bowl? It, there's, without, without question, absolutely. Uh, is he still a top-five quarterback in the league? Yeah, in my opinion, he is. Um, the, the arm strength is still there where you need it. He still hits the threshold. You know, He's not, not going to throw – Pat Mahomes style footballs. He he never has been able to do that, but he's always been able to hit the threshold. Um, but last year he was he felt a little more pressure, uh, a little more phantom pressure that wasn't there. So, you know, getting it out a little quicker. And and when you have you know a new left tackle every year, sure that's that's probably a good reason. You know that that he was feeling those things and that and. and they are so supremely confident in their ability to move the football that the only thing that can kill this offense is turnovers. And, and they really, really don't do, they just don't want to take any chances. And Tom, you know, a lot of times last year was, was a little, a little too careful um, and, and maybe playing towards that sentiment a little bit. Um, but all in all the throws were there last year. And uh, really when you look at his supporting cast, Guys like Chris Hogan for the first four weeks, your number one receiver for the first four weeks of the season, had a pretty damn good year. Um, and, uh, and, and obviously, that, that connection with, with Julian Edelman is, uh, is still as, as strong as ever. But losing Gronk and, uh, and, and having a bunch of new weapons around him, it'll be really interesting to see uh, how, how he uh, pulls this off in 2019.
0: Is Gronk back in November?
2: God, I have to say no, because I can't get my, like, I don't want to do that to myself. You know? like, yeah, I feel I like, and I feel
0: like he's going to have so much
2: fun. Uh, you know, it's going to be the summer of Gronk, right? Like but we're going to see Gronk content out there all summer long. On but social is that different media. than
0: any other Gronk summer? No, absolutely not. Like,
2: you know, but I feel like he's up, a,
0: every day is the summer of Gronk. It's mid November in Foxborough. And right? I, was, I think in his head, it's summer of Gronk.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, But I think, you know, when he's going to be jumping off of, you know, ladders in a WWE ring or, you know, whatever he's going to be doing, you know, doing like ridiculously bad movies with John Cena or something, who knows, Um, you know, that's. I think he'll. I think that will quench his thirst a little bit more than you know the the average.
0: Wrestling would be league. worse, by the way. I see that tossed around a lot, and I think he would be good in some aspects. But like the idea of him getting in the ring and really taking some bumps, like that's. I'm telling you, watch some wrestlers in their fifties and sixties walk around. Like watch Bret Hart. Oh yeah, walk, watch like. Oh, it's, it's not good. It's like, people are suggesting that. I'm like, I don't think you understand what wrestling is and how hard it is on your body. And like, you could make the kid like. The NFL, it's very hard on your body, and we know what's going on with his back and everything else, and the beating he takes from being an excellent blocker. Him doing the dirty work along with being an uncoverable monster uh, took its toll. However, no doctor would suggest, okay, you're done with football? (laughs) Go ahead and fall on your back and take some awful bumps in a WWE ring. Like, go do that, man. No, that's terrible.
2: I honestly think that a guy like Rob Gronkowski would look at it as an opportunity. Like I think he would look at it as a way to quench the football thirst and still have that action and still have that,
0: you
2: know, know, and building, you know, keeping the Gronk brand going and, and having fun with it. And, yeah he would you'd be icing a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of bumps and bruises and you know there's some serious stuff that goes on you yeah, know obviously that's a lot more you can get a lot more serious with that topic as far as wrestlers go and their careers and how the WWE takes care of their talent but um which is terrible but um i could just see that being his his vice you know like still that ceaseless need for action that a lot of these guys have is uh you know this could be an outlet for that um
0: obviously you know you what sure what, what's that Monday Night Football booth. Let's put him in there. He'd be ridiculous. Let's get oh him in Peyton God. Manning and make Peyton Manning as uncomfortable as humanly possible. Let's do no
2: that. put him in the booger mobile man. put him in there. You put, go. Him in, put him in the hover thing. You know, let him do a let him do a zipline across the field like, like a, ride like around. Guy like it's can. not stationary.
0: Yeah. He gets to like as the game's going on. He just gets to ride around and he'll L- just chime in at any <laughs> moment with whatever he's thinking at that present time, like the Tony Saragusa thing, but like on steroids.
2: Yeah. Let him, let him on the actual football field and like celebrate touchdowns with guys, <laughs> you know, like, like, I don't know. The more grunt, that's always how it's been. The more Gronk, the right. better. Now, now that, you know, now that he's got, he doesn't have to have a filter anymore. He can say whatever he wants, do whatever he wants. I'm, I'm interested to see that aspect of it. That being said, if he came back in November, he would. Uh, it would certainly be uh, welcomed, and it would probably be because the Patriots needed it. Um, yeah, you know that, which would be not a great sign for the offense. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Be great,
0: <laughs> like him and Martellus sign up oh together. My God. And we get a Twitter post of those two like fist bumping, and just the the Bash Bros are getting back together. That would be great in November. It's like a a
2: Martellus Bennett drawn cartoon, like both of them from like, oh yeah.
0: And that's how they announce it. They're back.
2: (laughs) Now you're getting me all pumped up. See, see, this is where I have to I have to temper my expectations.
0: All right. Uh, you heard it here first. Brian thinks that Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski are coming back at the same time, and Martellus <laughs> is making the announcement by drawing the two of them uh, coming back onto the field. So you heard it from Brian first. Um, Sonny Michelle, is he a product of the Pats offensive line opening up the biggest holes uh, imaginable, uh, or is it that Sonny Michelle is actually good and um, the running backs in New England are good? You know what?
2: And you know, the NFL is, is is there's no absolutes, but I think if you had to weight it, uh uh if you had to tilt tilt it one way, uh that offensive line particularly that, that, that interior trio of of uh of Tooney, Mason and Andrews, uh where they were the best in football last year. And they they were I mean they were absolute road graders. Um Shaq Mason getting out in space. Uh and, and Joe Tooney is gonna be a hot commodity next year. Uh I I was holding out hope that he's uh, an in-season uh, or pre-season extension candidate, but if I'm if I'm in his management team, I'm probably looking uh, for some serious money, probably more than Shaq Mason got last summer. Um, Sony Michelle is very good, uh, and I think he'll continue to progress. Hopefully he adds a little bit to the receiving game this year. Uh, but, I mean, anytime you're running against, you know, behind those guys who I, I believe have only missed three games in the last, uh, three or four games in the last three seasons, um, outside of that, they've all been together on um, the field and you have that kind of continuity um it's, it's it, it, it makes it so easy for uh for a young guy to uh experience the nfl like funny michelle did and we saw them get better and better as the week went as the weeks went on last year especially obviously uh, in the playoffs they were absolutely phenomenal so um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna lean that one towards the interior offense.
0: okay I remember just seeing a lot of just the schematic openings of this off the line from the Pats and just being like, St. Michelle's good, but I I don't know. I think this just might be a product of the Pats scheming teams into oblivion, especially in the playoffs (laughs) um, this past year. So it's tough. Um, JC Jackson and Stephon Gilmore, what makes them so good at the corner spot?
2: I mean – j c Stefan gilmore was he was probably the best corner in football last year and, and it's pretty biased but um it sounds pretty biased but he, i mean the film doesn't lie he was he was absolutely ridiculous last year um when it comes to uh when it com- i mean when it comes to j c jackson he's got some he's got some things to work on but the kid is the kid is tough man he is uh he he doesn't make the same mistake twice. He rarely makes the same mistake twice. He's got, a, he's got a little bit of a, a recognition, um, especially in zone. He's got some recognition issues, but uh, from a raw talent standpoint, this guy can, this guy can go man to man press with just about anyone. And uh, and I think that's the reason why he was so uh, touted coming out of high school. And obviously at Florida, he had some issues um, before the transfer to Maryland. And uh, you know, that's why he went on draft, but uh, he's, he's, Definitely looking like a piece of their future. That being said, if a corner is on the board in round two, uh, an outside corner specifically uh, in round two or three, i wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots took them and had some competition for JC. Jackson because really the way they look at him is it's still oh that's an undrafted guy who we got some production out of last year, which is great. but you know he's still there's a reason he was undrafted. so moving forward, we'd like to provide him some competition and add another asset in the process if we could. So who knows if he's even starting uh, number two corner next year, but um, all likelihood, obviously, would be that he is. Uh, and it's exciting to see uh, him learn from a guy like Stephon Gilmore. So they're, they're, in, uh, they're in pretty good shape there.
0: If I were to tell you that April 9th, 2019, in uh, J.C. Jackson's home city, um, they celebrated uh, J.C. Jackson Day, would you believe me?
2: <laughs> what, what city is he from? What's
0: his hometown? So, I'm gonna try and pronounce this. Um, Emo Kali, Emokali. There to be some Florida listeners. Florida. And roast me for this. Yeah, it's Florida, but it's like Emma, Emma, I don't know. Immokalee? 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 We'll go with that. Sure. I M M O K A L E E. Emokali. Emokali. We'll go with that. I, sure. I trust you, Brian. <laughs> Um, J.C. We'll
2: Jackson see. Day. Sign me up, man. I'm in
0: for J.C. Jackson Day. I'm here for it. I mean, he's one of those other guys where it's just like, oh, of course, this dude just fell to the pats and like all this off-the-field stuff scared teams away, and then he's just an amazing talent, and he figured it out, and now he's he's great there. Um, of course. Maybe that's good hope for uh, the, the Falcons. Um, who was that LSU dude who I could never... Qu- was it Jalen Collins, I want to say? Yes, yeah, Jalen Collins. Love me some Jalen Collins. Still holding out hope if he ever figures it out. And then who was the other guy? In, um he was in the Ravens and the Giants. And he was another one where it was like all the talent in the world, and there's something off with him. Who do you remember who I'm talking about? He was uh, Will Hill. Will Hill. Oh yeah,
2: Will Hill from Florida. That's another one of those yeah, Urban that's, Meyer that's guys.
0: I'm just waiting for uh Bill Belichick to sign will Hill or uh <laughs> Jalen Collins in tournaments. I'm him fairly into...
2: certain that they were in uh that at least will Hill was in the uh the now disbanded uh alliance of football was he yeah okay. I'm He's only sure. twenty nine we'll see we'll see the safety market's pretty loaded
0: he is he was a member of the Hamilton Tiger cats, but you are right he was a member of the Orlando. Apollo's
2: my okay. Orlando Apollo's. That's correct. Yes,
0: <laughs> my
2: life, lifelong forget? Apollo uh, Orlando Apollo's fan here. I'm sure many of our folks are and our listeners and locally will uh, share
0: that sentiment. Exactly. Uh, who could forget that legendary run? Um, the biggest threat for the Pats in the AFC this year? Who is it? Ooh.
2: Um, man, I don't. I don't want this to sound hot takey. It might sound a little hot takey. Maybe not actually, uh, uh, Indianapolis Colts, man. Um, okay. yeah, they were hot and, uh, you know, water kind of found its you know, found its level there. I think they were a better team than people were giving them credit for. And then they came out and five and, you know, then it, 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 almost became, I don't want to say easy, but it almost became you know, simpler for them to go under the radar and put up that, that excellent stretch run. But anytime you have a guy like Andrew Luck, um, and you start to put the pieces around. Obviously, you know, everybody's ranting and raving about what Chris Ballard's doing there and he's doing, an, uh, you know, an excellent job. Uh, they still haven't used many of their cap resources. They've been drafting so well um, that they were able you know, they were able to go out and give Devin Funches a little bit of cash this year uh, to add another big body. Um, and, you know, their offensive line is, is, is playing well. And I think, there's going to be a lot of hype in Kansas City and uh, in, in Cleveland, obviously, but I think Indianapolis is going to fly under the radar and take that division. And I just, man, playing, playing Andrew Luck is never, uh, is never fun. Um, especially if uh, if they somehow find a way to get an Indianapolis you know, a, a game in Indianapolis for the playoffs. But so obviously if, if I'm going to go away from the, the, the Cleveland's and Kansas City, I'm going to go, yeah, I'll go Indianapolis.
0: That's a fair pick. Um, I we all love, but I just I do wonder like what we saw in that Chiefs game last year, where it's like I don't know if they're still close to having enough offensive skill talent to right. really push some. Well, of the yeah, I look at it like UFC. I look at
2: it like with with no Jack Doyle. Like Jack Doyle is is so under you know he's so under the radar and so
0: yeah, and Eric he's Ebron so
2: perfect. Yeah, and Eric Ebron. You know when you have those two tight ends, and and I'm just a Marlin fanatic. Uh, He's great. I, I love I love Marlon Mack and Heiney Heiney. I'm still a guy. Yeah. You, you add a guy like like a Kelvin Harmon to that offense, or a Debo Samuel, or, uh, or you know another another like a, you know Nikhil Harry uh, outside. I mean there's there's so many guys in this this wide receiver class is so loaded. But like if you added just one of those kind of pieces to the outside with P.Y. Hilton and and Devin is Now you're cooking with gas a little bit, you know. And that that offensive line has another year to solidify. I think I think they could get out a pretty solid run.
0: So my heart says the Chargers. Um, I I I I'm still demoralized at what happened to the Chargers in this postseason. <laughs> yeah. They were my Super Bowl pick. I I love this group. I want them to succeed. It doesn't make any sense that they're just not better than who they are. Like, there's just they don't seem to really have any weaknesses outside of their offensive line, which was still bad and it's a big weakness, obviously. But Phil Rivers, being Phil Rivers, I just right. I want him to have his moment. I think last year was their best shot, and um, I, that division I think it's gonna be better than it was a year ago. So I have my doubts. I think the answer should be the Texans if they are better run and they had a better coach. That it should, should be. be the answer. Like, they have too much talent on both sides of the ball for this team to have underachieved like they did last year because if you get the right offensive mind coaching Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and that group, like, that would be the scariest team, that Belichick, where it's like, can you have an answer for that when Deshaun just rolls around and throws it up to DeAndre Hopkins? Like, what right. can they really... Like, the right offensive mind could unearth the, the Belichick elixir, I feel like. Yeah. But hey, uh, it's just not
2: What's so unfortunate there is that, I mean, they even tried to go out and spend money on offensive tackles. They, the reports were that they were heavy in on Trent Browns. Um, I forget who else they were heavy on uh, offering some, some of these big tackle contracts and, and guys just chose to go elsewhere. I'm not sure if they got any more money, um, but they had so much cash space and the ability to go out after some of these bigger names uh, because that offensive line is absolutely trash. Um, I mean, you got—they have to do everything they possibly can to get their hands on like an Andre Dillard or a John Williams, obviously, uh, in this draft. And then, yeah, just put out the same product on offense that they did last year. Um, and maybe add one or two more pieces, you know. Uh, you know, skill positions. Deshaun Watson's going to be—he's going to get better. Um, he had those accuracy issues in that uh, that home playoff loss that were kind of you know, you didn't love to see, but I mean. Overall, you know, ninety percent of the ninety-nine percent of the time, you're going to get a top ten. In my opinion, a, a top ten talent at the quarterback position. Not a top ten quarterback, but a top ten talent at the quarterback position. I'd love to see him grow and take another step this year. But until you get an offensive line in front of him, you're, you you make it really tough for him to to do that. Obviously, the defense is going to speak for itself. They've got got to add some to that secondary, but. Uh yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right. They definitely could make a run. Uh, I, I just think Indy's going to be that, that under-the-radar team that, you know, kind of I, – I can see them still kind of sliding under the radar, especially when all the coverage is going to be on Cleveland and, and Kansas City this year.
0: You know who's not? Uh, the Miami Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I don't think they're going to slide under the radar. I am – I'm pretty out on that.
2: Fitz Magic, man. I, I – I love, I love his tour of the AFC. You know, I'm, I'm holding out hope that someday maybe he can back up Tom Brady and just complete his, his entire tour of the AFC East. Um, but Brian Flores is going to be doing some things down
0: there, man. I, I know. I love dad. Brian Flores. Yeah. Great story. Seems like a great dude. The best chance to succeed of any Belichick disciple, right?
2: Yes. I think so. In my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, He's uh, man, they've and they've already got all the, the coaching staff down there, and, and, and they're already starting to do the rebuild the right way. It appears cutting the salary, getting rid of you know, they're going to be a disaster for a little while. That's fine, um, but Brian Flores is going to get is going is going to he's 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 a superstar, I and mean, he's not the Matt Patricia who who's been around for uh, twelve years. Um, and this guy Brian Flores come, came in and. and what, it was so much different than the Detroit situation, which I had a kind of a hand look at um, up there for the last couple of years. Brian Flores is down there. People, people are obviously excited. Um, everybody's always excited about a first year, the, the first year head coach, but uh, they're already starting to add their pieces down there, and I think I think it's not going to take that long for them to turn that thing around once they get their quarterback they want in place. They've already got some really really good pieces there, so. We'll see. It's going to be a little while. And then obviously you got to get through the guys at the top of the division. So, um, you know, in about five or six years when Tom Brady retires, then, uh, maybe, maybe things will take off one
0: last thing. And then we'll wrap up here. Um, does it matter who the defensive coordinator of the new England Patriots is in
2: 2019? No, unless it's Brett Bielma. Um,
0: how excited now. for the Bilma era. I hope it's not Brett Bielema. And, I don't uh, think it's going to be was, anybody, right? Like This seems right. like Belichick's not going to do anything. Uh, the, the
2: reports were that Ben Volen from the Globe reported that Brett Bielema was walking around and telling people. Well, I guess maybe not walking around and telling people, but telling people that he was going to be the coordinator. And then Chiano got hired, which is hilarious to me. Because um, either that's Ben Volen just with bad reporting or it's Brett Bielema being an idiot. Um, I think but, it's
0: probably the latter yeah, there's a really
2: good chance. Um, but no, it, you know, that, that's a lot on to have on Belichick's plate. My, my concern would be you lost a lot, uh, to, to this Brian Flores, um, higher. And now you've got Jack Easterby, their character coach. And, uh, he's, he's a really unsung hero of this, you know, this coaching staff. He is now in Houston, um, taking more of a personal role down there. And they've lost Chad O'Shea, a guy who was being groomed for the offensive coordinator role. Of Daniels, be, and, they you know, they, uh, Basically, they have two officially announced positional coaches on defense, Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick. And so they're, obviously, they're going to be adding a bunch of guys on that staff. So, I mean, that's a lot of responsibility for Bill Belichick to take, uh, take on. And obviously, you know, he's, he's the best in the business. So we'll see how it goes. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, like you said, he, he just took the reins and ran with it this year.
0: First, yeah. All right, Brian, you have a you have a flight to catch. Oh, yeah. We could keep talking about the Pats and uh, another unfortunately great season Sorry. on the horizon. I'm sure in New England, but um, <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we can read you at patspulpit.com. Is there anything coming out this week that we need to check out before we get out of here?
2: Uh, I will be uh, probably doing a live mock draft on uh, on our Facebook live feed, Facebook Pats Pulpit Live, and uh, have some stuff out about correlation uh as to i charted the last because i'm a, I'm a nerd i charted the last 2000 draft picks since 2000 and other positional uh approximate value metrics from pro Jesus. football reference it's a lot so yeah so we got some interesting stuff there that'll be coming out this week too so yeah follow me at b phillips on twitter uh at b phillips underscore sb all
0: right do it um brian i appreciate the time and uh Safe travels. Thanks, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Chase. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second leave lead the show, a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher. At Google Play or wherever else you get your podcasts, uh, be sure to check out Podcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we will be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys.